Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Welcome to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. And it's autumn in Connecticut, my saw. I, I love this time of year. Me too. It's my, my wife hates time. it. Well, maybe we can, we can bring her around. I don't know. Well, there's definitely there's a chill in the air. And you know what? We might even see our first seasonal snowflakes tonight. No. That's what they're saying. Wake up tomorrow morning, a little dusting of snow on the ground, you know? But listen, that doesn't mean just because there's cold outside and there's snow on the ground mm-hmm. that we shouldn't be using our grills. I mean, honestly, yeah. you got a grill. You got to use your smokers. I mean, who doesn't love a saucy pulled pork sandwich while watching football. I love that. I actually live for that, especially now that baseball is officially over. Oh, yeah. <sighs> All right. But yes, I've been known to plow snow out of the way just to get to my grill. So, have you? Yes. Wow. I will, I will get to that grill. Coming up this hour, in case you have not figured it out already, we're talking barbecue. Four-time world barbecue champion Myron Mixon is Zooming with us, and he's ready to take your calls. Did you know, Plum, he's affectionately called the winningest man in barbecue? Oh, I did. The man's an icon in barbecue. I, I love it. So call and ask Myron for tips on how you might make your own winning barbecue. Our number is 800-720-9677. It's 888-720-WNPR. And while you're at it, call us and tell us what your favorite barbecue joint is in this fine state of ours. You know, we have a lot of great barbecue places here in the state. Honestly, it's something I didn't realize mm-hmm. until kind of recently, like just such great places like, you know, Hoodoo Brown or... Well, you don't think I of mean, Connecticut right. as a hotbed of barbecue. Oh, speaking of Hoodoo Brown, I forgot I brought props today. Oh, she, she has props. She's reaching into her bag. It's crazy. You don't. Even, oh, she has a Hoodoo Brown hat. I love I will it. have to take a picture to our friends over at Hoodoo Brown. 100%. They'd love, love to that. see it. They'd love to see it. But we have great barbecue here in Connecticut. It's not fair to say that we don't, you know? Yes. I mean, you think of barbecue, you think of all the different styles, uh, all the different places you can get great barbecue. But when I look for great barbecue, there's only one man I look for to get that from. It's the man of the hour, the man with the power. He's too sweet to be sour. Give it up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Barbecue icon, Myron Mixon. I'm Myron, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Welcome to Seasoned. Glad, glad to be here. I need to take you on the road with me for all my introductions. Hey, <laughs> listen, every good, every good personality has a hype man. I'm happy to do it. I'll ride a coattail like a champion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need your energy. I don't seem to have that, uh, that much energy right now. Come on now. now. Come on now. Listen, it's, it's one of those things I think is great for people. It's why we wanted to have this show now when it's starting to get cool outside to tell them and have a barbecue expert such as yourself on to help reassure people Barbecue in the wintertime is fantastic. It is. I mean, let me tell you this. Uh, I know everybody associates barbecue with being a summertime thing. But for us, I was born and raised in the South. I live right here in Unidoodle, Georgia. We're like 100 miles from Florida line. And for us, the best barbecue weather growing up, my dad had a takeout barbecue business. It was the wintertime. It was the fall and the winter. Uh, it was cooler. You could get out and run the pits, uh, which these were Old school pits, burn the wood down, shoveling coals. But also, this time of year was always called what they call hog killing uh, weather, where you actually slaughtered the hogs, made the sausage, all these type things, put your hams and shoulders in the smokehouse, had your salt cured meats, as well as doing your barbecue. 
And the reason for that, it was the wintertime. You didn't have to, uh, the insects, you didn't have to worry about things spoiling because right. it was cold weather. It was that. So this is the actual best fresh. time of year. This is the best time of the year for it. For what we call great barbecue. I love barbecuing in the winter. I love it. Now, it, with that being said, mm-hmm. when I'm talking about winter and cold, I want to get it's about 32 degrees. I don't want to get down this nine degrees. <laughs> like Neither do we. I'm not used to it. I know everybody that lives up north is, so they wouldn't mind it. I've lived up north my entire life. I don't like for it to get below 32 Fahrenheit or Celsius either. I wouldn't want to be below 32 Celsius. That's a a whole different story. Myron, your latest cookbook is BBQ&A. Excellent title, by the way. So you talk about the barbecue lifestyle. What is that exactly? It's people that like being in outdoors, but you got a lot of people that like to do a lot of things, from whether it's hiking or just being outside, sitting, but it's also about you like to be around your friends and family. And if you go back and you look generations, and this really started being a social thing for us families, maybe in the 50s, 40s, somewhere after maybe World War II, where people started getting the charcoal grills and everybody wanted to go outside and grill. And it's just really gone forward, gone forward, gone forward. And you've seen a big, in the last 10 years, 15 years, really, mm-hmm probably a big revitalization of people realizing it's fun to be outside. Yeah. It's fun to go and do things outside. And, you know, if you got a pool, be out around the pool. If you got a pool and somebody, there's a group out there, somebody's on a grill somewhere. Yeah, 100%. You know, For if sure. you load up and you go to a state park and most of the time they're taking a grill or using one of the park grills to be outside. And, and that's part of the barbecue lifestyle. It's part of hanging out. You go to the beach. People are taking grills with them where they can grill at the beach. He's right about that. And uh, Yeah. I mean, it, it's always been a social food. I mean, the thing is, barbecue originally, you know, it started because of a uh, necessity. I mean, the pioneers that came here, they used the lumber or the woods uh, for their fuel. They used the livestock they had or the animals in the woods as the, the meats they were going to cook. And they had large families, and that's what they fed them with. But as it progressed forward and as we came on into the 20th century, it got to be a social thing. Whenever you had, you know, weddings, they cook. Now we're getting back to that. Mm-hmm. But it used to be you cook for weddings, barbecues. You cooked uh, barbecues, you know, as bad as it might seem, but for funerals. Yeah. And nowadays, even weddings and wedding venues, as a big thing now for the bride and groom to want to have barbecues now. Well, especially in this day and age when they can eat outside with it, you can set it up outside, cook outside, have your group out there and feel, you know, some people who may don't feel safe inside or whatnot, they could be outside barbecuing. Exactly right. And let me tell you what, we got wedding venues all around us here in South Georgia because we've got some of the beautiful landscape, yeah. uh, the woods and, and old buildings and stuff like that. But, and that, it, like you just said, that's thing got to be a big thing too because of all the circumstances we've got around us. And they are doing a mine in open air pavilions and, and outside, and it's just a very social food. Probably a the most social food or food genre over any of them. You know, I love Italian. I love all these others, but barbecuing, grilling, smoking meats outside—that is about as social as it gets. Yeah. Sitting around the fire, having a cocktail cooking a large piece of meat that's what right. i like that sounds like fun to me yeah i mean if you fall off a grill if you live in a subdivision 
I guarantee you, whether you invited anybody over or not, you fire your grill <laughs> off, you're going to have you somebody from the neighborhood come over and hang That's out right. with you until you get it ready. That's right. That's definitely for Ain't sure. Way you're, gonna, you're not going to stop it. I mean, it's just a different food. Yeah. So, Myron, I just, and Plum is obviously a chef, and he's far more well-versed, but I like when I have two experts in front of me. So talk to me about barbecue styles, because I am, I love to eat barbecue. I, mm-hmm. Plum knows I will eat anything I can break my teeth down with. Which is crazy, because Minasaw is five foot one. <laughs> You know, five feet of fury and 70 pounds. She can eat more than I can. I don't get it. Well, you know, at some point we're going to take a, a road trip down and visit Myron. Oh, yeah. And do all the meats. But what is what is the different types of barbecue? Um, what makes Memphis, Memphis, Carolina, Carolina, Kansas City, Kansas City? Well, you got your, you know, historically those are regions. I mean, you got the Carolina region, which not only is in the Carolinas, it runs into Georgia. And all this was based off of, and when I'm speaking about these regions, it's about pork. You know, it was back in the day, traditionally, it was about pork. When you said barbecue, you thought about pork. Same way with Texas, when you say barbecue, that you're talking about beef. Uh-huh. And But these regions that we're talking about today, there's still some pockets of the diehard region, like Carolina-style, Texas-style, Memphis-style, uh, the Kansas City-style. There are some diehard regions that really stick to tradition, not many. Because everything is kind of them blended together. People right. have moved. You know, uh, we're very uh, migrating type people. I mean, you got yeah. people that's moved from, you know, up there where y'all are at, down here, and vice versa. And you know, people coming in from the Midwest, moving to to the South. People from the South moving out to t- uh, California. I mean, just it's a blend, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing because I think for barbecue to really to grow and survive, it needs to move forward it needs to progress but getting back to the regions carolina style has always been about the vinegar based mm-hmm. barbecue mm-hmm. and it's about vinegar based pork uh same way for te- uh, georgia now when you get into texas it's more about the beef even though they grow a lot of uh, pork out there they serve pork now every barbecue restaurant now does it all they do the sausage they'll do the brisket they'll do the pulled pork they do the pork ribs some even do all do the beef ribs, but in Texas, this is all about the beef, a more tangy sauce, you know, and the sauces is what always define the region. All right. Speaking of sauce, no, speaking of sauce, I just want to remind the listeners, if you're just tuning in, we are, we are talking live to Myron Mixon. He is the winningest barbecue human, this and that side of the Mississippi River. So call, ask him a question. Our number is 888-720-9677, 888-720-WNPR. I have a question. Is it about sauce? Yeah, yes. it is about sauce, Mr. Mixon. Let me, if I don't mind asking you, so, you know, listen, we're up here in the North and in Connecticut, we're called nutmeggers. And it inspired me to make a Carolina style sauce, oh. but I actually added nutmeg to it and a little pinch of cinnamon. And it came out oh, look at you. fantastic. So look I was you. trying to, Get Connecticut style barbecue if we can make that a sauce, but I don't think anybody jumped on board. Well, the thing about it is, you hit on the thing. Now, we, we're going to talk a little bit just a second about competition barbecue. <laughs> a lot of you, well, a lot of you winning uh, contests, and I do it. Uh, I use allspice in some of my recipes, yeah, uh-huh. I use cinnamon in some of, some of my recipes for a contest. I mean, because it's a flavor profile that really hits. 
And uh, so you hit on something, I don't know, by accident or whatever, but it, it's uh, it was delicious. a good recipe. It was delicious. It came I out mean, it is. fantastic. I mean, uh, allspice is one of my go-tos. Yeah. Oh. It's changing it up if I want to change the flavor profile. That's a good one. Now, that's I'm talking about contests or doing it at home if you wanted to. But uh, I want to tell everybody that's listening, you better call in and get your question asked. Because I mean. Today, I probably I won't never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ever talk to you again. I'm going to start using that line. Um, before we get to get to a break, I, I need to understand you, the master of all things barbecue. Where do you get your spices? Where do you get your marinades? Do you have a guy? Do you go? Well, do you scour is, I, the lower I mean, forty-eight? <laughs> do I have a guy? <laughs> we make our own rubs and sauces. We uh, we've been selling them since two thousand five, and uh, I've got like several different things. We just come out with our latest wild game seasoning and our steak seasonings, and uh, so we used to make them all ourselves. Now I have to have them copacked because we do such a volume, and FDA is such a regulated deal now on, on all those type of uh, facilities. We had to start having them copacked. But the thing is, you know, for small batch stuff, you can go to your grocery store to get those type spices. But if you want to get a little more boutique-ish about it, you can go online. You can find small boutique spice companies that will give you the freshest product out there. And you don't have to buy 25-pound bulk. It's like cinnamons. You know, you got different types of cinnamons out there. And if if you want to go in there and get like a, you know, a one-pound bag or half a pound or whatever, 12 ounces of it, they got great, uh, great little I call boutique type spice companies, where you can get those fresh spices. And fresh does make a difference. I believe so, regardless of what you're going to do to your meat, your proteins. We That's are going right. to try. I mean, it is. Yeah, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Myron Mixon. He's a world barbecue champion, a restaurateur, and the author of several barbecue cookbooks. His latest is BBQ and A, which is perfect because you you can ask him anything this hour, including. How to smoke a turkey oh, yeah. for the holidays. We are actually going to get into that after the break. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Give us a call. I ain't never had another nothing. I can't believe you're telling me this. What are you talking to me? Too much barbecue. I mean, put some hot sauce on my chicken. Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. We're hanging out right now with the one, the only barbecue icon, Myron Mixon, and you can call in and talk to us and get your chance to ask a barbecue champion a question. The number is 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-9677. Myron, how did you get into doing barbecue to begin with? My dad had a takeout barbecue business, uh, and he started me and my younger brother, which is he's three years younger than me. I started at nine years old, and it wasn't him training me to be a a world famous barbecue pitmaster guy. He used me as free labor, like most kids that got in yeah. South Georgia. You know, I, I slept under his roof and sat under his dinner table, and he put clothes on me, so I had to get out there and work with him. And as I got older, I learned. And you know, even begrudgingly, you know, a teenager, you don't really want to be doing that. You want to be doing what everybody else is doing. But uh, I learned, and. Uh, I took that and I started competing in 1996, and from there it went into uh, the TV shows, the cook schools, and cookbooks and restaurants and everything else we got going. Smoker divisions and sauces and rubs. Matter of fact, speaking of smokers, 
my Myron Nixon smokers are built right there in Waterford, Connecticut at That's right. Well, well, well. How about that, huh? How about that? Myron, may I ask if you can dig back into the vault of your brain, what was that first thing you cooked in your, your first ever competition when you were when you were a wee lad? My first contest, I cooked uh, whole hog, whole shoulders, and pork ribs. Wow. I took a first-place hog, first-place ribs, and third-place shoulder. Wow. You nice even remember you. which place he came in. Wow. Of course he does. I was in June, I was in June of 1996 uh, in Augusta, Georgia, and they got a big power dam over there, and it was called the Locking like the locks on the dam. Mm -hmm. It's called the Locking Dam Barbecue Contest. How about that? That's fantastic. Well, Myron was inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame in Kansas City in 2013, and we have a caller who's going to have an amazing opportunity right now to ask a <gasps> Barbecue Hall of Famer a question. We've got Mike from Danbury calling in. Mike, what you got for Myron? Well, I've, I'm cooking ribs, and I need a faster way to cook them. Um, I've been doing five hours. Is there a way to cook these really good ribs for your family in under three hours? Sure. Uh, what temperature are you running? Your, your, are you grilling them or are you smoking them? I smoke them on a, on a Weber uh, 275. Okay. Uh, what pit temp are you running? What, what temperature are you running your smoker at? About 275. There you go. That's a great temp. Let me tell you what I would do. I would get my rubbing seasoning on. I'd put them on the grill for the first hour. I wouldn't touch them. You got to let that rub uh, carbonize and set. On the second hour, I would, starting at the second hour, I would roll them over upside down because the thinnest part of that rib is the bottom where the membrane was. You want to roll them over and let the heat hit the, the thickest part. You don't want to overcook the bottom. I want them perfect. So I don't, uh, I, I roll them. And I would spritz them every 15 minutes on that second hour. You got a good spritz recipe? Yep. Uh, I think I'm using Let me give it to you right quick. Let's there you go. Me. Write this okay. down. Yes. All right. 32 ounces. 32 ounces of apple juice. You want one pound, and it sounds like a lot, but do what I tell you. One <laughs> pound of sugar. One pound? One pound of sugar. Oh, my God. One pound of sugar. And okay. McCormick's makes a imitation butter. And if your grocery store doesn't carry it, It'll be over where the vanilla flavoring's at, the spices are at, and all that kind of stuff. You can go to Amazon, and you can get that imitation butter. It's a little one-ounce container. You add that to the mix, get it just hot enough to dissolve the sugar, and put it in your sprayer. All right, first hour, you put the ribs on there right side up, 275. On that second hour, you roll them upside down. You take your sprayer, and you spritz them right there at that top of that second hour. Then you wait 15 minutes. You want to get top and bottom. You want to make sure you hit the tops and the bottom. And you want to okay. do that until the second hour's up. Then you want to get your aluminum. Have you got a, is your smoker big enough to hold a full-size aluminum pan? Uh, it's only 20 inches. So maybe. All right. Yeah, not. Uh, it might. If it can, do the aluminum pan. If not, just do a, a sheet of aluminum foil big enough. How many racks you generally cook at a time? Two or three. All right, put all three of them in the pan. But this time, roll them back upright and put you one cup of apple juice in the pan. Cover it tight with the foil, slide them back on that smoker, and keep checking out. But it's going to take about, and keep running the pin at 275. 
if you can't fit the aluminum pan, do the same thing. Put them back upright in a bigger sheet of aluminum foil. Put that one cup of apple juice in it and seal it up. Make you like a little boat and put it back on that grill or smoker. Still running at 275 and you keep cooking. So we're on two hours. You're panning them or wrapping them, whatever your grill will hold. And about 45 minutes, a quarter till on that third hour, start probing. You want to undo it, take them, just get one on the top there in the pan and take your meat thermometer and go right in the middle of the rack between two ribs. You want to go in the middle of the rack between two rib bones. And when they hit 207 degrees, you pull them. They're ready. You add your sauce on the top and bottom. You add your sauce on the top and bottom. You put them back on your grill at 275 and you let that sauce set for eight minutes. Then you pull them. You cut them and you eat them. Look at that. That's uh, there. You go, Mike. You got a lesson right there from a barbecue icon. How about that? Thank you. My family's gonna love it. There you go. Well, so, I tell you what, guys. You get out there and start grilling. Yeah, definitely get out there and start grilling. You guys can you can do just like Mike did and get a massive, massive, incredibly great lesson from a barbecue icon. Give us a call here at seven at eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. Or if you like the letters on your phone, Mighty mm-hmm. Saw, you can do 888-720-9677 or WNPR. It's really simple. Mr. Mixon, one of the recipes we've got that I just love, especially this time of year, we've got to talk about here is uh-huh. a smoked turkey. You gave us a fantastic recipe. It's going to be on the website at uh, ctpublic.org slash season. You can check it out there for smoked turkey. Talk about that for a little bit for us. Well, I mean, smoked turkey, uh, I've got so – I guess – different versions of the smoked turkey that i do teach one in the class which one of this is it got the brine to it uh let me see i'm writing recipes for my next book coming out in may this is one you got a smoked stock going on this one right now a smoked stock oh really yes sir and read it off to me yeah (laughs) he has myron has so many recipes floating around in his head this is the one here you got uh let's see we got a 12 to 15 pound turkey eight cups of smoked stock three medium white onions four garlic cloves a cup of packed brown sugar Kosher salt, uh, Jack's Old South Honey Money Cluck Rub. Hmm. You put that on there to make me say that, didn't you? Or you can make your own rub. Two cups of apple juice, and you give a recipe for the smoked stock and a recipe for the rub itself. This one looks great. Right. Doing it in the Dutch oven. And it, it, it is, that is an awesome recipe. And hmm. the Honey Money Cluck Rub is what you do after you for the smoked stock. And, and the Honey Money Cluck Rub goes on the turkey before it goes on the smoker. But I tell people this all the time. I got another recipe I'm going to give you for a turkey also. They're going to have that recipe. You're going to post it, correct? Yes, sir. I'm going to give you one. It's a lot simpler than that one. They can okay. have that one. That's more, that's more of a savory. Okay. That's more of a savory, okay. and I love savory. Me too. Now, we're going to talk about turkey because you're getting in the season of it. Yeah, In my are. cook classes, I do one a month. Turkey is one of the items that the, the class does. And everybody wants to, to be able to do a good turkey. Well, one recipe I'm fixing to give to you, this is for brining, big on brining. I love to brine poultry. I love to uh, to get that meat infused because brining works very well with chicken and turkey. Oh. And a lot of times people get confused about brining and marinades. Marinades is about soaking meats or proteins in uh, a liquid that's going to put flavor to it. Huh. Brining Number one priority of brining is bringing moisture into meat. And turkeys, especially the white meat, the breast meat, and chicken, it needs as much moisture brought into it as it possibly can because it's very lean in those sections of the bird. 
So the first ingredient for, and they need to be listening to this if they're going to get it because you posted the other one. Yeah. The, to do this brining, I want 12, somewhere around a 12-pound bird. I don't like big birds. I want around a 12-pound bird, and I like to use with the legs. I don't like to do just the breast. But you want, for this recipe, you want three gallons of water. Okay. You need this much liquid because you may want to submerge more than one. You may want to do two, even up to three turkeys. You want three gallons of water. One gallon of that water needs to be hot water. Okay. One oh. gallon of that water needs to be hot water. The other two need to be cold. All right. You want two pounds of dark brown sugar. I like the dark brown better than the light brown. I like the molasses okay. that comes in the dark brown. Then you need four cups of honey, whatever honey you like. Me personally, I like orange blossom that comes out of Florida. I like the orange blossom honey. You want four cups. You want two cups of kosher salt. Two cups of kosher salt. You put all your ingredients in there from your sugar to your salt to your honey. And I always use a cooler. I have me a cooler about what you call a 48-quart size. I put that in there, and I dump that one gallon of hot water on top of the honey, the sugar, and the salt, and I dissolve it. The dissolve it, I get right. it all dissolved. Then I take my other two gallons of water that's cold, and I pour in there and dilute it. Then I get my turkeys ready. I like to take a meat tenderizer, you know, with the little blades on it, and I like to tenderize all over. That helps the turkey be able to bring in all those liquids bring in that salt. The salt causes the brining action to happen mm. where it brings moisture in. And if it's bringing in moisture, which is going to be the water, it's also going to bring flavor because salt has That's a flavor. Right. And you also got flavored water there with the honey, the brown sugar. It's going to bring all that into the meat also. Well, for a 12-pound turkey, you need to let that brine overnight, mm. at least overnight. And I'm saying 12 hours. It wouldn't hurt to brine it for 24 hours. <laughs> now, 48-quart cooler... If you got a walk-in cooler like I do at my compound, you can walk it in there and let the lid stay back, and it's going to keep the turkey cold. Most people don't have that. Right. And, you know, most people's fridge, even though you might have, what is that expensive one you probably got in your house because you got more money than uh, here you go. See, God himself. Mm-hmm. Even those Richie, all those high sub You're talking about a Sub-Zero refrigerator. Yeah, Sub-Zero. Yes. Uh-huh. Sub-Zero, there you go. Hey, you're talking to a man who brines his turkey in a trash bag, Mr. Mixon. That's what I do. <laughs> all right. But anyway, you go and you take that. And they won't fit. So what you do ahead of time, you take you two of your empty uh, water jugs or two empty apple juice jugs that you've had around the house. You fill those up with water, go ahead and have them in your freezer and freeze them solid. All right, you got your couple of turkeys in that liquid. You reach up in the freezer and you get your two jugs of frozen ice with the caps I on. I see where you're going. You set, them down, you set them down in your cooler and you lock the lid down and you let them sit there and brine for 12 to 24 hours. Now, the reason I like to put the water in the jug is because you don't want to go in and grab a bag of ice and throw it down in it because every bag of ice that's ever been made has got pinholes in it. And if you put it in there on top of those turkeys, it's going to melt. And when it melts, it's going to dilute your brine. There you go. In other words, it's not going to be the strength that Uh you really want it to give the flavor that you're looking for at the end of the day. So you need to put it in the jug. Cap on, sit it down in there, shut that lid, and brine it for 12 to 24 hours. That is a fantastic recipe, and I love See, the See, everybody got a freebie here. You got the yes, recipe. Sir. I mean, that. tons of freebies. And then you get the one. And the thing about it is the, the brown, brown sugar honey one, 
it's more of a holiday feel to it right. because we've got right. Thanksgiving coming yeah. up. And that's what you associate with things like that. Now, oh boy. we talked about it a while ago. Cinnamon mixed in the that <gasps> might be a good idea, too. Or nutmeg. I love it. Absolutely. Well, we got another call coming in, Mr. Mixon, if you don't mind. We've got James from Greenwich has a question for you. James, what you got for Mr. Mixon? Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, so I'm actually from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but I live in Greenwich now. Look at you. And... Uh, I have uh, I we actually moved from San Francisco, California, if you believe that. And everywhere I go, I see on the menus Carolina style barbecue, and and just like Mr. Mixon said, typically that just means they they use apple cider vinegar, but it doesn't always do it for me. And I can cook right. ribs at home. I can cook pork chops. I can cook all. I, I got pretty good feel for the grill and the smoker and all that. The one thing I cannot duplicate is the chop that I grew up with, that Lexington-style chop that they'd almost, when you go into these barbecue places in my hometown, they would almost use like an ice cream scoop to put it on the bun, and then they'd take the slaw and put it on there. So that chop was real fine, and I, I got the smoke, I got the sauce, I can do all that. I can't duplicate that chop. Do you have any ideas for me? Yes, I mean, have you ever watched them chop it? I can tell you how to chop. I've watched them. No, chop. I, that's the thing. Yeah. Is, when I would walk, the way they do it, the way they do it. If you're going some of those older ones, like Lexington, you know Lexington, it's it's world, but they got a chop. They got a chop board back there that's just it's, it's dipped out where they have chopped so much and it's actually gone into the wood. And they'll sit there with two meat cleavers and like they play in the drums and they'll chop it into a mince. And the cool thing is the way they're cooking over direct heat. The way I learned to cook. They're not only chopping the meat itself, they'll put some of that crispy. And the only way you get crispy mm. uh, skin on anything, any protein, and, and, and pork is one of them, Tell is me. direct heat. Mm -hmm. Whether you're grilling over direct heat or you're frying those pits direct heat the way they do, that's the only way you get crispy skin. You don't get that with offsets. You don't get that with water cookers. You don't get that with any other type of cooking. But that North Carolina style or old school style of direct heat. But with that being said, that's all you got to do. You got and you need to be careful. If you're going to use a cleaver, and I wouldn't do two of them. You know, oh, uh, me and you ain't that good yet with, right. the, with the, like the Carolina boys. We don't. I don't want to see you later on in life and see you. They, I'm call, they calling you nubby. Oh I don't my! Want to see that. That's right. But James, what I would do, I'd get a meat cleaver or take my blade and just mince it up and get it to that fine texture you're wanting. Then sauce uh -huh. it, put it on your bun, and put your coleslaw to it. That's the only thing you lack right. in there. I'm just, just getting it that fine chop. Yeah. Well, there you yeah, go. I'm just not going far enough. What, what You're not going far enough, but I'm going to tell you something. I know a lot of folks listen might say, well, I, I ain't believing he said that. But I'm going to tell you this. You take your small food processor, and you can get that same chop. That's just watch cheating. it. That's cheating. Don't, I mean, I know it's just keep it bump. <laughs> bump it every now and then and get that same deal. <laughs> All right, I appreciate you. You're looking at the end result. You're looking at the end result. I mean, that's what you want. And a good that's, food processor gets you to right. that point. Well, there you go, James. You got a barbecue right. hall of famer. And it will save your fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, well, James. I need, I need my fingers. There you go. All right, I appreciate it. There he goes. That's James from Greenwich talking about 
uh, a chopped barbecue sandwich. These things all sound delicious. I'm getting so starving myself. So hungry, and it's about time we take a break. So who do you love, listeners? We're taking a short break, but we invite you to share your favorite barbecue spot with us by calling 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. We have Myron Mixon. Call. Because he's not going to be here for a long time. That's right. Call in. You better, y- y'all better call if you want to talk to me. Because when I'm gone, I'm gone. Oh. <laughs> Stay right there. We'll be right back. It's the season. Welcome back, everybody. This is Seasoned Barbecue Edition. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Barbecue Hall of Famer Myron Mixon is with us. He's taking your calls this hour. So if you need a trick for getting your rub to stick to your meat, or you're wondering why you need a rub at all, call us right now. Our number is 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. I just need to, Myron, are you still there, darling? No, I left a while ago. That's what I figured. Uh, For those of our listeners that don't know this, not only are you the winningest barbecue were ever you're the mayor oh, yeah he's the mayor you are the mayor of unadilla georgia population of 1500 1500 uh, uh and it's unadilla like una like una like una brow unadilla unadilla listen i'm puerto rican if i see a word i don't understand i immediately default to the spanish <laughs> pronunciation you're lucky i didn't say unadilla yeah you did <laughs> unadilla unadilla what uh how did you become the mayor and and as part of your campaign did you make everyone barbecue oh yeah i did uh, <laughs> for sure i did i had a big barbecue and, and you know and my opponent said i was buying their, uh, buying their boats for barbecue sandwich. oh my god and i'm thinking well you know it's better than giving them five dollar bills or a half pint of liquor Listen, I don't blame you. I love it. I love it. But, yeah, I mean, I ran in uh, 2015. Uh, We had an election uh, that fall, and I got elected and took office in 2016. I just got reelected. Congratulations. uh, Last year, started my second term this past year. Well, yeah, this past January. I would vote for you, that's for sure. Especially if you're giving me some barbecue. Right? Any oh, kind of barbecue. Yeah. And hey, if you throw liquor in there too, I'm all in. You, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two votes. I'll convince my wife and, to vote for we, you. And we got a we got a golf cart community. I mean, y'all come on down. I mean, if you ever move to Unadilla, you never go back to Connecticut. Uh, well, uh, we'll see. But I will take you up on driving down there. That's and right. Visiting. Uh, Mr. Mixon, we got I'll another. Tell you what I'll do for you. I'll I'll get a snow machine just to make you feel it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He's gonna make it snow. That's great. Hey, we got another call here. You ready for? It? We got Mike from Stanford calling in. Mike, good afternoon. You got a question for Mr. Mixon? Yeah. Hey, hey Mike. <laughs> great show. Hey, Mike. Hey, I'm one of those. I'm one of those unfortunate people, whether by choice or by regulation, have to use a gas grill. Mm, Are you going right. to pass me off the air on this? But do you have any hints for us uh, who are stuck with that? Yeah, I, and I understand that. I mean, um, gas grills, and I've done some things on that where you can take actual wood chips. Have you got one? Has yours got like a bank of burners, like three sets of burners, mm. four sets? Yeah, uh-huh, three sets. Have you ever taken the wood chips, put them in the foil, and put them on one of the burners where it would do the smoke? I tried that, but it didn't work real well. Maybe I just didn't do it right. And let me tell you what, the only way you're going to make it work, it may work properly, is you got to soak those chips overnight. Yeah. But I can give you an easier solution to that. And and the thing is, you, the, the gas grill does a great job in cooking meat. 
he does a great job in giving you the crust and stuff on there. The part that you're missing is always going to be the smoke that everybody associates mm -hmm. with barbecue. That's it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the only part that the gas grill really misses. And I agree with you. I always give that tip about doing the wood chips and stuff because everybody's got a gas grill. They want to, they want to figure it out where they can get that smoke, you know, but I will, I'll tell you okay. one, a, a way to make that happen. And it works. Now I sell an item it's called hickory salt, but I'm not the only one that does that. I'm not telling you to buy something of mine. There's some, uh, uh, there's some out there that's got apple, uh, Applewood smoked salt. Now, what you can do, and it was, and I'm telling you, it works awesome. Is like if you want to do an injection, you're doing a pork butt on your gas grill. You take, uh, you need about 24 ounces, 32 ounces of liquid if you're going to inject your pork butt. And I'm, and I don't know if you like to inject, but I'm going to tell you a way to make this thing work for you. Take you about 32 ounces of apple juice. You take you about a half a cup of my hickory salt or anybody else's hickory salt or Applewood's uh, smoked salt, and you dissolve it in that 32 ounce of apple juice, and you inject your pork butt with it, and you let it set for about an hour, then you apply your rub on the outside, then I put a little light coat on top of that, of the hickory salt on the outside of the pork butt, along with your rub, and cook it from there. And that's going to give you that okay. smoke flavor that you look for. Because the hickory uh, salt I have is made with actual hickory smoke. Love it. And most people's are too. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm just telling you that will give you a great <laughs> smoke flavor. Just use a great barbecue sauce at the end and you got it whooped. I mean, you got <laughs> a grill there. The gas grill gives you the bark. It gives you the crust. And, you know, all you need is that smoke flavor to give you the barbecue finish. There you go, Mike. I okay, Myra. That's a great tip. Hey, do me a favor, Mike, just for me, though. Remember, just when you're barbecuing this and you're about to make this happen, you see some choices, don't buy liquid smoke. Just remember, the chef on the radio says, No, don't no, buy no, don't smoke. buy the liquid smoke. Don't buy that. You get hickory smoked salt or applewood smoked salt. If you go to my website, you can look at my hickory salt, or you can just Google that, and a lot of folks make it. But you make sure it's real smoke. It's real natural wood smoke, not somebody that's okay. with him, you know, put some fake stuff on it. You there want you real hickory wood smoke on that on that salt i gonna tell you something else i'm gonna give you a quick little bonus like if you're making green beans i like green beans a lot of times with my barbecue and mm. stuff like that okay instead of using like regular salt i salt it with my hickory salt it gives that smoke flavor <laughs> into my hip my green beans delicious hmm. that sounds amazing that doesn't sound too bad there you go mike there's a tip for you take it let it see how it comes out send us a picture on uh, instagram of it all right okay that's great thank you good buddy. luck mike there he goes. There he goes. You know, listen, I made a mistake. And listen, that's why you have Myron on. You can call here and talk to us about this and ask Myron about your mistakes. The number is 888-720-9627 or 888-720 if you like the letters WNPR. Myron, I have to be honest with you. One time I was trying to smoke some mangoes and I was a young chef coming up, right? I wanted a smoked mango. And I must have smoked mm -hmm. those mangoes for hours and hours and hours. But you know what no one ever tells you, Mr. Mixon? That if you don't What's have that? fat on there, that smoke's going to do nothing. Oh, right. If you don't have what on if there? If there's no fat on there, it can't. No, there's nothing to absorb that smoke. So my mangoes didn't take any smoke until I put a little bit of oil on them, and then they took all the smoke in. That's smoke exactly flavor. right. And you are exactly right. It, it when I do peaches, when I do peaches, I put a little bit of oil. Vegetable, mm. I like something that's neutral. Right. And I like something that don't put, I don't want anything that's going to put flavor to it. I want something neutral because I want whatever fruit it is I'm, I'm grilling off. 
but I like something neutral on that. That's the same way with ribs. And I'm fixing to give uh, an answer to something. Maybe somebody's thinking that I don't want to call in. Yeah. But I like to put vegetable oil on my ribs, on my uh, pork butts, on my whole hogs, anything I'm doing to make the rub adhere. It's neutral. It doesn't have a flavor, but it helps my rub and seasoning stick. I don't like to use mustard because mustard does have a flavor. And I tell oh, people all the time, mustard yeah. seed, ground mustard seed, that's a strong, strong flavor. You know, and, and some totally. people love it. They love to rub their meats and stuff down in mustard and then, then cook them. And, and, but I like for my stuff to be neutral because I want you to taste my rub, my yeah. injection, yeah, yeah. everything else. I don't want you tasting mustard. You know, I ain't cooking hot dogs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we got another recipe that we're going to put up on the website at ctpublic.org slash season. Myron, it's your easy backyard brisket. I mean, this looks like an amazing recipe here. It looks super simple to do, and it's definitely one of those things you can pop in there, and then it looks like have a cocktail. I think that's actually one of the uh, one of the instructions in the recipe is to have a cocktail. <laughs> Step two, make yeah. a cocktail. Step one, is, is that like, get your smoker going. Is that going. like Step mandatory to have a cocktail? Yes. That's it. That's it. Talk about this recipe here. We're using brisket. We're making you got a, re- a whole recipe for a marinade on here. This looks delicious. thing about it is brisket is probably – the number one protein that people have the most trouble with. And most of the time it's because they don't cook it long enough and they don't get it to temp Mm. and you know, internal temps. But the other reason is they don't let it rest. And one of the key things you got to do, especially with a brisket or any big meats. And when I'm talking about big meats, I'm talking about, you know, whole shoulders, uh, pork butts, which is part of the shoulder. All of those things, you got to sit there and you got to let it rest before you start breaking it down, slicing it or anything like that. If you don't, you can do everything perfect right up till you take it off when it hits internal doneness. And if you don't let it rest, you know, I'm not going to say it's throwaway time, but But it's not as good as it could have been. Mayor Mixon, we actually have, we have a caller and I wonder if this caller is going to ask about brisket. You know, we got Dan calling from North Franklin. Dan? You got uh, a barbecue yeah, icon on the phone here. What you got yeah. for him? I, I know, Mr. Mitchell. I just want to say it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you very much. Well, how you doing? Good. Very good. So I don't have a question about brisket. I, I apologize for that. It's but fine. But I fine. do have this question. And it, basically, it's because, and my wife will attest to this, I have asked <laughs> every person that I know, every butcher here and there, and maybe I'm in the wrong foot already because I'm up north and we don't have the right people to ask. Uh-oh. But the question is, and, and I, I, get, I get answers all different types, before I get into bar- the sauces and all the rubs, I need to start on the basic word of making the perfect rib, the fall-off-the-bone rib. Now, what I have to work with is an oven and a Weber gas grill. So can you shed any light to me? How does one make fall-off-the-bone ribs? Uh, did you did you listen to my uh, last answer? Well, I think the one before the the first caller about ribs. Did you hear that? Yeah, so I did hear about the the the, the, the spritz. You heard the spritz or didn't hear the spritz? He did hear the spritz. I did hear the spritz. I think this okay. caller has doesn't have a smoker. It sounds like yeah. he has an oven yeah, and a grill, and he has like a propane a grill. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, if all right, the same recipe would apply. You would do the same thing with these right here if you if you want to do them in your oven. But I will tell we're gonna modify that a little bit and go back to something we referenced with the uh, last caller. Um, 
you would take your ribs, you and I would take my vegetable oil. And let me tell you about using that. It's going to help the rub it here. I put a little bit of vegetable oil on both sides, put my rub on both sides. I would add a little bit of the hickory salt, not a heavy coat of it. You want to get you some hickory salt. And you can find it. It's out there, and it's not as hard to find as you uh, might think. Uh, I sell it. A lot of people sell it, but you want to make sure it's real smoke, hickory salt. Put a little light layer on it, top and bottom, push it in. Do not actually rub it. You don't want to actually rub it with your hands because you want an even coat of seasoning. If you start rubbing it, you make one spot thin, the other spot will be thick. So just push it in. And in your oven, I'd put it like on a sheet pan. I'd put a little bit of water under the bottom. I'd have a sheet pan with little sides on it maybe or a full-size aluminum pan and just put them upright, put maybe a half a cup of water in. And the reason I'm telling you to put the water in there is you don't want to start a grease fire with you with your uh with your ribs start rendering put them in the oven and i would cook them for one hour at 275 one hour for 275 then if you had a i say a cookie sheet rack that will fit inside of that pan i put it down in the pan and roll them over and put the ribs upside down same process that i told the gentleman a while ago that's actually got a grill or smoker and i would cook them for that whole hour up uh, upside down but if you got the spritz recipe you need to go in there and spritz every 15 minutes just like you would do if you were cooking on your smoker same thing then after that first hour is up that second hour is up you roll them back up right you cover them tight with aluminum foil and you would cook them for about the next hour because you want them fall off the bone so about the next hour is going to get you to fall off the bone, even without having to check the temp. But the temperature you want to get in between the fingers of the ribs is 207. Fall off the bone, you probably want to take it up to around 210. If you want them to fall off the bone, you take it to 210 degrees with your meat thermometer checking in the middle of that rack between two bones, and they will be fall off the bone. Oh, that sounds amazing. Look, Dan, there you go. From an icon helping you out there. Thanks for your call, Dan. Let us know how those come out, all right? You got it. Thank you very much. You got it. You got it. You're very welcome. So, Mayor Mixon, I really like the way that sounds. I hope you don't mind that I'm referring to you by your title. I like it, too. Okay. (laughs) Before we go, what are you going to cook this weekend? It's Halloween, for crying out loud. Uh, This weekend, uh... Really hadn't decided, but I'm sure it's going to be down the lines. I like to do things that are quick. Okay. Um, I mean, I do a lot of long cook stuff. And, and people ask me, like, now the holidays, we will get in. I'll cook brisket and I'll cook turkeys, uh, things we talked about here today. But when I do things at home, I don't like to be tied up on the grill out here a long time. Good I love grill you. foods. I love smoked foods. But I'll do stuff like, and probably this weekend, my wife has asked me about it. We ain't had it in a little while. Is my uh, sausage stuffed pork tenderloin wrapped mm. in bacon? We call it the triple P. Love uh, it. We use pork sausage and pork bacon, and uh, the tenderloin, of course, is pork. And you can grill those off in about an hour and fifteen, hour and a half, because uh, and I always use smoked sausage. That, okay. And I tell people this: when you're doing the items or you're doing a, a recipe that uh, requires you stuffing with sausage or requires you wrapping with bacon. And it's going to cook fast, like bacon-wrapped shrimp. Everybody yeah. loves yeah, to do yeah, those. Yeah. Or bacon-wrapped chicken livers. Always use the cheapest, thinnest bacon to wrap those items. 
Don't go out here and get your upscale, thick mm-hmm. applewood no. smoke. That thin Feels stuff like will cook band. faster and Look, get nice and crispy. Looks like a darn uh, ribeye steak. So <laughs> yes. Thick. Well, because Mayor, Mayor Mixon, whatever, whatever you're cooking, it sounds delicious. We could talk about this all day. Absolutely. But we're getting the hook from our producers. They're screaming at us. They're screaming we, at us. One more thing. Please. The reason you want to use the thin sliced bacon is you want to make sure the bacon is done when the protein is done. Ah. That's why you use the thin. You don't Got want to it. use the thick. You want your bacon to be crispy. You Got want the shrimp to be done, but you want the bacon to be done, too. Well, that sounds amazing. That's a great tip right there, Mr. Mixon. We can't thank you enough so for your time. So now y'all can blow me off. Now you can no, come on now. Wait, come on. Now? Are you kidding? I'm, I'm going to tell you and your wife to get the guest room ready. That's right. I'm taking a field trip down there because, you know, you're going to have well, a, a snowmaker for me. And I'll rent the snow machine. <laughs> a season is produced by Robin Doyon-Aiken and Katie Tolarski. Thanks to Gene Armantruda and Carmen Baskoff who helped out with today's show. Mr. Mixon, we appreciate you so much. Love y'all. Appreciate you having me.